Green New Deal. Is it something to fear? Is it something to embrace? We'll talk about this more on this week's Renew Gurus. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your semi-irregular source of Missouri energy policy and politics since 2018. My name is James Owen, your host and uh, the executive director of Renew Missouri. I am here in the Renew Missouri studios with Emily Piontek. Hey, James. Uh, hey, you are a research clerk. You're also a grad student. Welcome to the program. You. Running the boards is Matt Patterson. As per usual, Matthew, say hello. Per usual, hello. Hello. Uh, glad to be back in the studios. We've yeah, been we have been uh, in the Capitol uh, for the past several of our conversations. We've been talking to state reps. No state senators yet, unfortunately. We'll get there. We're getting there. They tend to blow us off a little bit. But, I'm not uh, sure most of them actually know what a podcast is. Uh, yes, I, I, I had a sense that every once in a while when I was talking to a certain unnamed Senate office and I was trying to explain to them what we were doing, they looked at me as though I was trying to explain that I was from outer space. So I don't know if they're going to call us back. Um, but uh, we don't have a lawmaker on here today, but we are going to be talking about a piece of legislation that is actually in the Missouri legislature. And that deals with something that's in front of the U.S. Congress right now. And that's the Green New Deal. You've probably heard like 20 podcasts on this already. Here's your 21st. Uh, because I think we want to talk about it from the, from the vantage point of, uh, of what this is. And I want to talk a little bit about what this uh, resolution in the Missouri Senate is saying. And I kind of want to talk about like why that is something that you know we should be wary of. Why should it be taken seriously? That sort of thing. So, Emily, you have read the Green New Deal, have you not? I have. You have. I have. So, okay. So let me let me make sure I want to understand this. Okay. So this was introduced by Alexandria Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Her friends call her AOC. Yeah, that's right. Um, and Senator Ed Markey is also. Okay, he is from himself with her, and he's on board. He's um, in the Senate from Massachusetts. Yeah, she is represents a part of New York. I think it's like part of Brooklyn, Queens. A freshman legislator, as I'm sure everyone knows at this point. She is getting a lot of attention out there, Uh, and some things are good, and some things are bad. So they've introduced this. Okay, so let me ask you a couple of questions about it, in case uh, people out there don't know. Is this an actual piece of legislation? Okay, yeah, so that's the important thing to make clear from the start, is that it's not actually um, a piece of legislation. Right now, all that's been introduced is um, a resolution to seek a select committee to uh, discuss a Green New Deal, to develop a Green New Deal. So there are no policy proposals yet. Right. Um, It's just a set of policy goals. So this is basically saying we need to set up a group to look at certain issues. Right. Okay. But they lay out what some of these issues are, don't they? They are, right. And so it's all they're all under the moniker Green New Deal, and there's five, I guess, main components of okay. the, you know, five goals that they're trying to hit, including climate change, yes. mitigation, uh, clean energy <laughs> development, um, creating a strong and stable workforce, um, education opportunity, social programs, um, 
and all it's like facilitating this transition to a zero emissions economy. Which this wants to do by 2030. Right, yeah, they have a very tight uh, turnaround. That's tight. Deadline. I mean, we, we talk a lot around here about aggressive policies in Missouri, in the country, in the world. I don't hear very many that even talk about 2030. I hear 2035. I hear 2050. Is there a magic formula to 2030? Is there a reason why they've used that 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 year? I'm not 100% sure. I believe they've used the 10-year um, deadline mm-hmm. Because of the National Climate Assessment, which came out earlier this past year, or the fourth version of it, didn't um, say that we have like a we have to deal with this in the next ten years. We have to deal with this in ten years. Yeah. So I think that's where that number came from. Right. But um, the deadline, the tight deadline, has been critiqued, and I think fairly uh, by many people oh. who work in energy policy who yeah. say that really 2035 to 2050 are about the most reasonable targets that we can um, aim for. Okay. This time. But, I mean, you know, ultimately, in the end, we have to have some measure of time to do this. And they've picked 2030. Yeah. Uh, that would be what this task force would be charged with doing. And now you mentioned these five things. And I know you were kind of hesitant when we were talking about climate change because off mic, I said, you know, we have a lot of funders and a lot of supporters who are weary of that term. They're weary of that term because we're in a very conservative state. Uh, we are trying to get um, lawmakers and policymakers to see the economic benefits of renewable energy, the economic benefits of energy efficiency. And so sometimes climate, whether it's fair or not, has been politicized in a way that even renewable energy or energy efficiency hasn't. Safe to say? Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. There. Yeah. And, and we've had a fair amount of Republicans on here, and I've, I've kind of breached that conversation with them because for the most part, we've had Republicans on here who are very much in support of renewable energy, very much in support of the same things we are, but they don't seem to come near this issue of climate. And I think there's a tendency to think that maybe that, uh, you know, the right wing media has kind of demonized people on the left who have made this an issue. Al Gore is an example, if any of you are old enough to remember Al Gore. Uh, some of you might not be. Emily, do you remember Al Gore? I vaguely remember You Al vaguely, Gore. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was very, he was like one of the first politicians. I mean, really like, I mean, as far as like in 1988, to talk about the ozone layer, talk about CFCs. Um, and that actually got fixed in a bipartisan way, which tells you how far we've gotten in 30 years. Um, because that's when Al Gore was a senator, and he made it part of his mission. He wrote a book. He did a movie. Um, and then through all of that, he also ran for president. And so I think that there was a, a belief the messenger was probably being blamed for some of these, uh, you know, some of these demonizing qualities of climate. So I guess, you know, one of the things that I've, I've heard, and I have listened to some of these other podcasts that have done this, is how does this fit with the goal of Equality. How does this fit into like job security? I mean, those are things that are goals in there. I mean, what is that? I mean, do you have a sense of what that's talking about in this? Yeah. So I think the Green New Deal recognizes that um, to transition to a um, lower emissions economy, zero emissions, um, as they're trying to do or seeking to do, um, is going to require significant investment in 
like deploying renewable energy uh, technology, energy efficiency programs, things like that. All of that relies on a substantial workforce. And I think right. we've seen over the past year reports coming out about um, the economy or the work, the number of people being employed in energy efficiency or renewable energy in the Midwest particularly is yeah. being very strong. So um, kind of a key tenet of uh, the Green New Deal so far, what we have so far is just to um, include uh, like vulnerable people, people who have lower education opportunities, people who have been historically oppressed, or people who are going to be losing their jobs as the fossil fuel industry continues mm. to decline, to employ those people in this transition to renewable energy by workforce development training and things like that. So kind of tying the transition to clean energy with um, transitioning a workforce as well. Because that is a popular yeah. concept, workforce development, economic development. Uh, those are things people like. Right. And so this is just seeking to align climate goals and clean energy goals with. So why don't people like well. this part of that? I wonder. Well, I think it's scary um, mm -hmm. because there's been a lot of numbers floated out there about how much the Green New Deal would cost. Yeah. And, you know, obviously any kind of education program is going to be very expensive. And then you have, you know, just thinking about people losing their jobs in the fossil fuel industry and things like that. Mm. Um, so, but there's no, as I've, we've said before, there's no clear policy with the Green New Deal yet. So I think it's too early to make any kind of predictions right. about costs. Yeah. And I think what's important to know is that Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said she's not bringing this up for a vote. Right. Right. So it's a House resolution. If the Speaker of the House doesn't bring it up for a vote, it's probably not going to get voted on. But in a surprise twist... Senator Mitch McConnell, the majority leader for the Senate, does want to bring this up for a vote. Now, I don't think that Senator McConnell has any bad intentions with this. Do you, Emily? This is a trick <laughs> That's question. A loaded question. <laughs> he probably. I, my my suspicion is he does. I think he wants to kill it before it's anything real. Well, That's I think he wants. I mean, I think he wants to stick people with the. I think he wants to stick them with the vote. So you have a lot of people in the Senate running for president. They are presumably going to be running against President Trump, uh, Kamala Harris. Um, who else is running? And the oh, Cory Booker. Uh, well, now I just blanked on this. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth <laughs> well, Warren. Yeah, Bernie Sanders. We all know that he's you know trying to play it safe with the environment. But yes, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. I mean, there's a there's a, no, a a number of high profile senators that are. Running or considering running. Amy Klobuchar. Oh, Amy Klobuchar, yeah, who's also from a state that Trump almost won. Um, and I think that Mitch McConnell would like to see them on the record. I think he would like to see Joe Manchin on the record with this. Now, I mean, I think some of those people are just going to be able to say, I mean, they'll be able to have some cop-out answer, but then that's going to make the liberal base mad. And Mitch McConnell knows that. Uh, but then if they vote for this, then, you know, they might freak out moderates or anything like that. So I think that's what's going on there. So Mitch McConnell, you know, if it gets any kind of vote, it's going to be one that's kind of a political show. It's not going to be like one that he really is all that interested in. I imagine one that he doesn't think is going to pass. <laughs> uh, and then ultimately, you got to deal with the fact that I would suspect that uh, I don't know if task force have to go to the president or not. I mean, I know that there are some uh, resolutions in the uh, in the Senate, for example, that don't necessarily need to be signed by the governor in Missouri, uh, but I don't really know about that. Maybe I should have looked up that up. Are you talking about the results of what the task force would No, be? I'm talking about like the task force, like forming the task force, okay. which I think might just be internally legislatively. 
Yeah, which is why this is so funny is that this isn't I and mean, some of the stuff you're talking about, and we'll get into some more of the details of it. That's not what this does. I mean, we have all these people that are going out there with their hair on fire saying this is going to ban airplanes and this is going to ban cars and this is going to ban cow farts. Where, Emily, do you think all that came from? Well, unfortunately, there was an FAQ that was yeah. published prematurely that had some prematurely? ideas. Um, I think maybe information. my sense is that AOC's, what I've heard was AOC staff, who was, let's say, more progressive than a lot of people who work on the Hill, put it out, and it was kind of stuff that was maybe going to be in the uh, in the actual version, but like some of the moderate people working on it said, you need to leave that out. And they put it in there because they just wanted to show that they were right, you know? That definitely could have been part of it. I think, you know, we'll never know. Will we? One way or the other. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't think people should take that seriously. Yeah. They're not trying to ban cows. They're not trying to ban air travel. Yeah. They're just trying to radically transform the way um, that transportation happens in the U.S. Um, well, I guess you're trying to get to zero emissions. I mean, that yeah. raises the point as to well, how would an airplane operate? I mean, are we talking about some new technology we're not aware of? Are we talking about solar-powered airplanes? I mean, I, I mean, I'm legitimately concerned because I... I think, does that mean that you could do carbon emissions offset and then, oh, excuse me, you do carbon emissions as part of what you do and just offset that somewhere else? Um, I'm not, well, I'm not 100% sure Nobody yet, knows. There's no policy right. written yet. So it's okay. just a bunch of goals at this point. So, but it's been properly demonized. Yes. Uh, by the media, by the internet, and now, as it turns out, by the Missouri State Senate. Way to go, Missouri. Way to go, Missouri. Well, I have no doubt there's probably other legislatures around the country doing this. Okay, so uh, legislative session is in full swing right now. They're actually at the halfway part point of their uh, 2019 session, and we, uh, we've we been down there working a lot. And one uh, piece of legislation that's come up is a Senate concurrent resolution, SCR 19, introduced by Senator Bill Eigel, who is out of St. Charles, I believe, and he is a very conservative guy, very conservative. And he has written a resolution that is urging the Missouri congressional delegation to oppose this uh, Green New Deal. That's what the resolution says. And now I went and, and, and went to the hearing on this. It was heard before the Senate uh, Rules Committee. Um, it was actually just voted out this week, so it was voted favorably. <laughs> so it's no well. They got to vote. I think the Senate's got to vote on okay. it, uh, and it's probably got to go to a couple other more committees, and I'm sure it will. Uh, but like, so, ba so basically, what I keep thinking to myself is, all right, so they don't want to even have a conversation about this, or is it that? Senator Eigel and some of his allies really think all of this very negative stuff is actually in there. And I don't know that because, I mean, when you look at the whereas clauses for this resolution, it has a lot of very um, scientifically debatable things about <laughs> climate change and about man's contribution to global warming, basically saying all that is not true, uh, which, I mean, look, 
I know from Renew Missouri's perspective, we don't focus on that part of it, but I mean, it seems to me that the general consensus of scientists believe this, if not more. I mean, like pretty much everybody that's not getting paid to say this uh, thinks it. So, I mean, so like I know that um, our friend, our, our allies over the Missouri Coalition for the Environment, Ed Smith, Ed, I hope you're listening, giving you a little bit of shout out here. Uh, he, he testified against this saying he thought that was problematic and got and had to be grilled pretty extensively by some of these senators that just were just couldn't believe that he found that there might be some something to dispute with what this resolution was saying. So, I mean, really, so, but then what struck me in the, um, in the hearing was one of the members of the committee, who's also the Senate president, was asking like, so are we going to ban airline travel? We're going to ban cows? I mean, he was asking all these questions that, Clearly weren't in the resolution. Clearly aren't in even in the, uh, the the resolution that was filed before the Senate. Um, and so it seems to me that that's not very productive. I mean, it seems to me that like if you're just wanting to have a task force and have a conversation about this, why would you be discouraging the Missouri congressional delegation from doing that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, and I wrote. And here's the other thing, folks. I wrote an email. Uh, while I was watching that hearing, and we sent it out, and you probably got it if you're getting this, that said that we were fighting junk science in Jefferson City, which wasn't entirely accurate because we didn't testify against this. Uh, because I, I went down there primarily to hear if they were going to say anything negative about renewable energy. They didn't during the hearing, so I didn't feel anything to contrary to them. And so I wrote that and sent it out, and I just basically said, like, we don't think that curbing conversations about this is a good idea. And whether you agree with it or not, you should, you know, at least say this resolution is bad because it's counterproductive for politics. Uh, I got a lot of favorable feedback from that. I got one person and he asked us to take us off this list. His name is Dwight. I don't know what, I can't remember what Dwight's last name is. No. <laughs> Sorry. So, no. But he said, like, I can't believe this is what he said. It was it was his email was like, I can't believe you'd be supporting anything that moron AOC has written. And I don't think he got the point of my email because my the point of my email was we should be encouraging this dialogue. And his his answer to that was to name call and say he couldn't believe we were doing this. And I wrote him back and said, Hey, we're not supporting the Green New Deal, we are supporting this ongoing conversation. And then he said that he thought that all renewable energy should be taken off their subsidies and everything, and we should just have like an open market. To which then I said, well, you know, there's a, a Senate resolution about deregulation, maybe you'd like to give us $25 to deal with that. And then he told me to take him off his list. So he, I don't think he wanted to give me any money. But I mean, but that was like, but that was the one negative response I had. But the inclination for people on this issue was to call AOC a moron, which seems really weird to me. I, don't, I mean, maybe like I'm not, and trust me, it's not that I haven't been paying attention to politics for the past 30 years or longer. Uh, but it is, it just seems, that just seems very strange. It seems like a strange reaction to me. Don't you think? I mean, I've never gotten an email from this gentleman before. I mean, maybe he's emailed with my counterpart. I've only been at this job for a little under two years, uh, but I've never, I've never seen this person before, and I just thought that was an odd thing to respond to. Well, I think it just points to the overall confusion surrounding the Green New Deal mm -hmm. at this time. Nobody really knows what it is. A lot of people have been talking about it. It's been sensationalized in the media. Um, it does call for a radical transformation of our economy. 
um, in order to achieve this zero emissions um, result in 10 years. And it's just language that's scary to a lot of people and they don't know what to expect. So I think the um, automatic reaction that people who aren't 100% on board with climate science or, um, you know, are maybe resistant to change, you know, their first reaction is just to reject it out of hand, which is what I think the Missouri Senate is, is doing. Is doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, I think that they take on all sorts of things that are controversial, but it's con it's it's only controversial to anything outside of, like, what we've created. I mean, what I think this ultimately comes down to is we have created, or I should say the Internet has created, like, these dual existences where we have one side hearing all sorts of things and the other side hearing all sorts of other things, and we don't really get a sense of what reality is. Right. You know, and I think that when you actually read this and you look at it, Yes, there's some things in there I could look at that and say, well, that's not very realistic. That's not very believable. Um, but here's another thing I realize is I was listening to Chuck Schumer respond to this. Uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, the uh, minority leader of the U.S. Senate, uh, not exactly a guy I would call a blazing liberal. I mean, he's a moderate guy, relatively speaking. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But he was up there talking about how they need to make a, a committee on climate in the Senate. Um, I never heard him talk about this before. And so I wonder, I mean, that's what makes me think that as kind of, as, as kind of, I think you said radical as some of these ideas are, it has got some people talking. It has required all of the uh, candidates for president to talk about this. And so, and, and what I think is is worthwhile to say is, you know, if you're listening to this, it's more than likely that you like renewable energy and energy efficiency, I hope. And so when you're thinking about who you're, who you're going to vote for, politician-wise anyway, you know, and I know we've spent a lot of time focusing on president, and I tend to think that's counterproductive because the president doesn't have that much influence on your life. As much as like, say, I don't know, the governor of Missouri or your state rep or your state senator or your city council member or your school board member. Like those have more of an impact, but no one talks about that stuff because they just think it's boring. And it is, but it's important. It matters. But they talk about the president because that's what the news talks about. And so like when you're looking at supporting a candidate, shouldn't we be listening to them talk about this subject yeah, we. That's I think one of the greatest values that um, the Green New Deal has so far, or brought mm -hmm. to public discourse so far, is the fact that it's causing climate change. People to talk about climate change. Yeah. People to talk about renewable energy on the national level. Yeah. Um, and it's forcing people to take a stand one way or the other. You know, how, what what policies they're going to support. Um, what yeah. they Think about climate. Yeah, because I mean, and ultimately it, it goes to a lot of questions I have to ask is because you know because when I when I think about uh, utilities, and I think about energy policy, I mean, right now, a lot of, I mean, utilities are one of our biggest forms of polluters. I mean, they burn a lot of coal. Um, they are, they burn a lot of natural gas. Um, and they, you know, that's a significant challenge if you're going to be dealing with this topic head on. Um, and most of that is regulated at the state level. I mean, so I don't, you know, I know there is regulatory mechanisms at the federal level. FERC is an example. We have these regional marketplaces. We have two of them in Missouri. Um, there is a lot that gets done there. But ultimately, in the end, this is a state issue. And so that's one of the reasons why we do the work we do in front of the Public Service Commission is because we can, we can have an incredible impact on how much renewable energy gets used in the state. We have a tremendous impact on how much energy efficiency is put onto 
uh, you know, utilities portfolios, and that's important. But then it does it is a challenge to me. I mean, you talk about what you can do through the EPA. That's a big deal as far as like dealing with pollution at the federal level. But utilities are tough. Renewable energies are tough. And I, I wonder sometimes, I mean, what is ultimately going to happen? Is this going to require down the road, potentially, that the government's going to have to take over these utility companies? I don't I know. I have no idea. Because, you know, because honestly, like right now, a lot of the bigger ones, I mean, the biggest ones in the country are privately owned, right? And... They still are, but they are still granted a monopoly status by their state. Uh, they still have to like go run their rate increases by the state, and pretty much anytime they do anything of significant managerial value, they got to get approval from regulators if it's going to have an impact on cost or, or rates of their customers. So, I mean, that's that's something that I think when I hear stuff at the federal level, I wonder. Well, I wonder how they're going to do that. And I mean, obviously, I know we kind of work in a utility specific realm here. We usually do. So it does kind of take me out of my, my, my level and make me think about this a little bit. Food for thought, Emily. Yeah. Patterson, you've been pretty quiet over there. What do you think? Well, you know, that's a good point. I, I think that's uh, something as we move forward that's going to be more into the conversation. And, um, you know, that may not be popular <laughs> in a lot of circumstances, but again, maybe it will be. Maybe that's the way we see, well, yeah. you know, this happening because usually like when we talk about renewable energy standards in the state of Missouri I mean you look at that that polls anywhere from 60 to 70 percent even when you say in the question this might raise your rates so look I, I mean I know that this state has trended red um, when you look at who's in the legislature and you look at who's at the executive branch I mean it's fairly Republican but this is one of those issues that obviously I think conservative and Republican voters are interested in think so too. Yeah. I mean, we see bills that make us see that and, you know, you can see bills that, you know, want to make it easier for us by, you know, like deregulating the, um, the whole thing. We do have that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I, I alluded to that earlier and you mentioned to it again, Senator Doug Leibla, who is a uh, Senator from the 25th district down in the boot heel, Southeast Missouri. Uh, somebody I've worked with before in my previous role as public counsel, not a big renewable energy guy. I mean, yeah. like he's a, he's another one of these Republicans who thinks, Climate change is, he has dubious thoughts on it. He doesn't think that it's a valid thing. However, he believes that uh, the utility market is too controlled, needs to be deregulated, and he has put something out there to say that should go on the ballot in 2020. Um, that's going to be tough to get through the Senate. <laughs> I would say the anti-Green uh, New Deal uh, that will probably have more of a chance of getting through the Senate than this ballot initiative does. But it's interesting because that would very much open up Missouri to a lot of solar, a lot of wind. Uh, it would open up to a lot of other things too. But that's but he's not. But he, you know, and, and so like there are uh, liberals and there are environmentalists out there who are touting that. But he's touting it as well, and I, I think that more of a free market. Yeah. He's a free market guy. He owns a factory down in Poplar Bluff. That's like his background. He is not a guy who's been in politics very long. Um, I think this is his second term as a senator. Um, so yeah. So I mean, and, and, you know, he his his experience with utilities is marked very much by uh, the Noranda situation, which someday I'll do a podcast about that because I we mentioned it a lot, and that was something that happened ten years ago, and I probably should like explain it to people who don't know what Noranda is, but that's neither here nor there right now. 
but he has he's suspicious of utilities. And so I guess the point I would be trying to make there is even though he and I might disagree on climate change, there's something that we can work on together. And so or we can at least discuss. And I think that um, saying if the state Senate wants to say we shouldn't be having this discussion as a Missouri congressional delegation. Well, I think that would be really sad. And I think that would be disappointing. I'm not going to call it some of the other adjectives I've used to describe it in, in private, but I, I do think it's just too bad that we just look at this and we immediately have this knee-jerk reaction to say, oh, this is bad, we shouldn't talk about it. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of opportunity here, and they're just completely you know, pulling the plug on innovation and, um, I don't know, deregulating the utility market, increasing yeah. customer choice, things like that here in Missouri, right. um, by just out, rejecting it out of hand. I tend to think... Of all these people I hear, we're looking for the next innovation. We're looking for new technologies that are going to bring this economy into the new, into the new century, and all this other stuff. But like we're looking at it, we're literally staring it in the face. Yeah, we have the technology, and what we don't quite have yet, will I have full confidence that we're going to develop. We just need right. a policy driver or some kind of catalyst. Yeah. to... I think I just realized I said literally wrong. I'm not literally staring at it in the face right now. <laughs> literally staring at Matt Patterson when I said that. <laughs> Um, same thing. Same thing, uh, right. But no, you're right. I mean, like, it, it is going to require, I mean, look, most things that are innovative have to have some sort of prodding from the public sector. Um, I was on, I was, I'm, I'm a regular on a radio program here in Columbia, and we were talking about NASA. You think about all the innovations, probably like the, like what we're talking on right now wouldn't exist unless we were trying to solve a problem that's getting into space. And here we are. I'm sitting here talking on a podcast with people, like, hopefully, you know, all over the state, all over the country. And that was something that was an initiative. It was an initiative brought by John F. Kennedy that said, you know, in eight years or by the end of the decade, we wanted to have a man on the moon, which everyone thought was nuts at the time. And it happened. And it happened. Not even under him. Yeah. How under Richard Nixon? <laughs> well, technically, Johnson did most of it, but yeah. Well, yes. I mean, okay, you're, you're correct. But yeah, okay. Still, but you're I right. Mean, you're right. Why can't we say zero percent emissions <laughs> in ten years? In twenty thirty, right? Ten years. See, I'm wrapping. I'm bringing this back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, so like you know, we can say that sounds ambitious and that sounds impossible. But why not try? Right. Is it a bad goal to have? I don't think so. I mean, look at your number one growing industry here in Missouri. Like the top new jobs are. Solar and sellers. Yeah. yeah, and look, I mean, you know, we, we had Mosia Lobby Day on Wednesday in the uh, in the in the Capitol. Mary Shield, our friend at the uh, Mosia, she was, you know, we got about ten to twelve solar and sellers from around the state, and we were going around to all lawmakers and we were talking about this as a jobs issue. We were talking about this as something that's good for the economy, that's good for local communities. And I think yeah, when we're talking about what's the next innovation, what's going to be able to get us out of this kind of rut we've got as far as, you know, lacking a strong uh, backbone to our economy, I think this is it. So, final thoughts? Sorry, no? I think I'm good, yeah. Oh! <laughs> Wow, we're editing that pause out. No, we're not. I want that to be awkward on podcast. Sorry, I think we might call this Pientix Pinter Pause. You know Harold Pinter? No, I don't. Oh, boy. He was a playwright who had a lot of pregnant pauses in his plays. 
Exciting. Okay. Yeah, more you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I could you share that. Of course. It's okay. Matthew, thoughts, comments. <laughs> I think it'll be some interesting uh, more conversations. This isn't something that's going to go away. This is something that is just going to be more and more in the forefront. And that's I think that's a good thing. I think we need to have those discussions. Yeah. The more we have, the more people understand it, the more people support it. And yeah, that's we've got to. We, we really don't have any other choice. Don't shut off the conversation. That's what we'd be urging if the Missouri Senate is listening to this. And I'm sure they all sit around after Waiting. after the legislative <laughs> session's over. They're going to wait on Thursday. Well, actually, they'll be off this week. Uh, um, but they won't. Yeah, maybe they'll maybe we'll we'll bookmark this for them. So uh, we hope you're bookmarking this podcast. We hope you are sharing this with your friends on social media. Uh, we hope you are subscribing to this on iTunes and Spotify because we're on Spotify. And we really much do appreciate uh, you uh, tuning in. We appreciate your support of Renew Gurus. And this is me saying Seacrest out. <laughs> <laughs>